Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that is related to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be at this holy place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. Allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break the chains of all evil and sin that holds us captive. May in this service be cursed all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, ignorance, covetousness. All of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, O Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your redemption and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Spirit. Allow us to discover your shining countenance. I lay the service in your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated.
The book of Revelation, chapter 14, verses 9 through 12. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest, day or night, who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. This is one of the familiar places of scripture that is familiar to almost all of Christianity, on the foundation of which there were many delusions, fears, illusions that were formed. In fact, the mark of the beast, because in the original, it's not the mark of the beast, but the seal of the beast. It's the translators that translated it to mark of the beast. But the mark of the beast of the man of sin and the son of perdition is defined by scripture as people being ruled by money. It is dependence on money. I will remind you, Ronald Rothschild, who was uh, one of the highest positioned of a, um, leaders of a secret organization heading this organization. He said these words, give me control of the currency of a nation. It doesn't matter what, who creates the laws. The one who controls the money masses in any country is in fact the true master of all its legislation and all of its commerce. And he was right. Because this definition is, is a biblical truth. Ecclesiastes 10.19 says, Money answers everything. According to Scripture, God foreknew a multitude of people of the children of God and a multitude of people, including a majority of Christians, don't even understand how they have already sold and continue to sell their freedom from evil for the opportunity to have and to grow on their accounts money. We should make mention that to have and to grow on our accounts the sin itself is our incorrect relationship toward money and our dependence on it. The correct relationship toward money is defined in our dominion over money, whereas our incorrect relationship toward money is defined as money's rule over us, over which, as we know, stands the demonic prince of mammon. We can agree with this or not agree with this, and yet it is specifically our relationship toward money that defines our deity, deity as as well as our worship. And if, according to the definitions of Scripture, the authority of money over us is the root of all evil, then our rule over money is the root of all good.
For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have stayed, strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. To take authority over money is possible only one way. First, to give our full tithes and offerings from all of that which we gain before taxes are taken and to secondly to give it according to the biblical principles Christians who do not voluntarily give their tithes in the format of tithes or who give them not according to um, scripture perhaps unconsciously they worship the beast and his image and so let us take a look in scripture how to honor god with tithes and offerings deuteronomy chapter 26 verses 12 through 15 when you have finished laying aside all the tithe of your increase in the third year the year of tithing and have given it to the levite say before the lord your god i have removed the holy tithe from my house and also have given them to the levite according to all your commandments which you have commanded me i have not transgressed your commandments nor have i forgotten them i have not eaten any of it when in mourning, nor have I removed any of it for an unclean use, nor given any of it for the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God, and have done according to all that you have commanded me. Look down from your holy habitation, from heaven, and bless your people Israel in the land which you have given us, just as you swore to our fathers a land flowing with milk and honey. It's interesting that the phrase, I have not eaten from in sorrow, meaning that having garments, we will rejoice in what is what we have that is little. Because our joy that we are the children of God must be primary whatever we may lose whatever may happen with us the fact that God is our Father that we are saved and that He will soon return for us is supposed to be such great joy for us that nothing is to diminish it and this means to be faithful in the little or to live according to the measure of our income and the phrase I have not removed any of it for an unclean use means that any kind of work that we may do, any kind of deed, we must do it from our soul as for the Lord, knowing that in doing so, we are serving Jesus Christ. If we labor in despising it, then how can we give with our whole heart and soul if we hate our job? We must love any kind of job. We must act toward any kind of job as an opportunity to show and demonstrate that we work with our hands, we labor with our hands. God is a laborer and He loves laborers. Sometimes people say, this isn't job isn't for me, it's not fitting for me, I have different other desires. It doesn't matter what your desires are. I remember that in order to test me in the army, I was told, all right, well, because you don't want to, uh, because you don't want to stand watch and if you won't bear arms, here, take this hose, go into the bathroom, 
It was a large bathroom where about 500 soldiers a day would use, and which would not aim correctly in the ur urinals. They told me, go and clean it. I went there, and I said, Lord, I will do this, clean this as I am doing it for you. I began to sing, sing to take the hose, take the broom, and I cleaned everything up so well. And the soldiers, they came in there and they saw such cleanliness because they had never seen this kind of cleanliness before. Each of them was more careful and began to aim better so that they don't miss. And I was singing as I was cleaning. And for them, and I had felt that even this place was filled with the glory of God. And they said, listen, everything that he touches or comes near becomes huge, strong agitation for our soldiers. They are enticed by it. They hear he's going to destroy our whole army. So if you love your job and you begin to do it as you're doing it for the Lord, then you won't give for an unclean use, nor have removed any of it for an unclean use, so that we understand this phrase. And the phrase, nor given any of it for the dead, means to not communicate with those people who were alive to God and then had left their assembly and had strayed away from the path of righteousness. The phrase, look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people Israel and the land which you have given us, points to the testimony or the witness of our partaking to Zion. God is never going to bless any of his children individually, he is going to bless them only in their part participation to the whole body. Imagine, how can you bless your ear, your hand, or your leg? You have to bless all of man so that one member of his body would be blessed. And so God has taught us that when a person separates all his tithes from his home, after this he must say, I have fulfilled all of this. And now come down from your holy habitation on your people Israel and bless them. We must understand this. That is specifically when we understand this, and when we, in doing so, we separate our tithes, this will be evidence that we are holy unto God. It's very sorrowful to me that many children of God, they don't separate their tithes. Not too long ago, I was talking with our um, banker, and the bank told him an interesting thing, that in Oregon, our church is number one as far as offering of tithes. They say that usually in large American churches and in small churches, tithes compared to the amount of people, it was about 20 to 25% of tithes. He said, in your church, it's about 85 to 90. What is this? What does this mean? He says, so, if pastors were to preach what tithes are, I think people would give their tithes in those churches. But if he comes out and he just reads Malachi, and then he says, give, and if a person becomes a member, 
only because he begins to offer tithes. And it doesn't matter, tithes, at least some kind of check or some kind of money. That's it. He's a member of the church. As soon as he stops writing checks, he is, has a letter written that says, you are excommunicated from membership. I thank God that we have such a high privilege to honor God in tithes and offerings, to worship Him in tithes and offerings, to express our love and acknowledge His authority. Let us stand and let us worship God and serve Him and sing. There is a city in heaven. Each time we, at the beginning of our service, begin to worship God in tithes and offerings, in doing so, we give God the basis to open His heavenly windows so that He could bless us with the bread of heaven. And each time, in doing so, we cut the root of all evil, the root of all evil, which is love for money. Therefore, we will rejoice and have gladness in having this privilege. And each time, I am giving great pleasure proclaiming that each time we honor God in tithes and offerings, we must remember that when Israel had honored God with tithes and offerings, either in the tabernacle of Moses or the temple of Solomon, they were called to raise their hands over their offerings before God and proclaim one unique proclamation that they were faithful to for thousands of years. We, being that same Israel, tied to that same root, drinking from the same olive tree, will do the same thing. Please raise your right hand as symbol of your righteous act over your offerings and pray along with me heavenly father in the name of jesus christ i have separated the tithes from my home and brought them into your home so that your home may have food i do not give impurely i do not give in sorrow and i do not give for the dead I rejoice that I have the privilege to express my love and to acknowledge your authority. And according to your word, I ask you, right now, may your heavenly windows be opened and may your blessing come down abundantly upon your redeemed nation. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. Прошу 
совершенстве твою волю научи исполнять, Ведь тебя, Спаситель, я люблю. В тени крыл твои, Господь, укрой мой дом, Чтобы верным быть тебе всегда во всем, От лукавого и от его сетей, Защити во все дни жизни ты моей, Научи прощать врагов, как ты учил, чтобы светом быть всегда на всей земле. Господи, помилуй нас, Твоих детей, И пошли на мир Твой и покой. Научи прощать врагов, как Ты учил, Чтобы светом быть всегда на всей земле. Господи, помилуй нас, Твоих детей, И пошли на мир Твой и покой.
And so if you have your Bibles, please open up with me a familiar place of Scripture that continues to keep a great depth of wisdom that is of God or from God. Matthew 5:45 and 48, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called Called to Perfection. And linked to the path that leads us to perfection, we have been studying the path that leads us to God as to our groom in the symbolic story of the path of Rebecca to Isaac and have been studying the signs presented in the Bride of the Lamb. Rebecca presented these signs in the virtues of the Lily of the Valley, upon which we are called to look with the eyes of our heart or with the eyes of our faith, so that we can form ourselves into the image of perfection that is in the likeness of our Heavenly Father. Luke 12, 27 through 32. Consider the lilies how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And I say to you, yet even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
Looking at the given regulation to look or consider the unseen process of life that flows through the lily of the valley with the eyes of faith is the necessary condition for obtaining the kingdom of heaven, giving us the right to dress into the perfection of our heavenly Father. And for this purpose, we turn to the unique relationship of the most beautiful of women with her beloved in the book of the Songs of Solomon, where we see how the state and function of her heart identified the virtue of the lily of the valley, which in her heart is the kingdom of heaven that has come in strength. Songs of Solomon 5, 2 through 5. I sleep, but my heart is awake. It is the voice of my beloved. He knocks, saying, Open for me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is covered with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. I have taken off my robe. How can I put it on again? I have washed my feet. How can I defile them? My beloved put his hand by the latch of the door, and my heart yearned for him. I arose to open for my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh, on the handles of the lock. We note that this is an allegory, a parable. We see and note that in the given place of Scripture, the, the dialogue of the most beautiful of women with her beloved Lord revealed the sacred relationship of the holy people and the coming meeting when the Lord appears in the air. This dialogue will serve as evidence that the holy people are ready for this meeting. Therefore, if we have truly loved the appearance of the Lord, then it will be necessary for us to uncover and examine ourselves as to whether we are ready to meet with the Lord in the air when He appears for those who are waiting for Him in salvation in their heart, and to reveal and identify the specific signs in the dialogue of the most beautiful of women with her Lord, serving as evidence that she is ready to meet with her Lord in the air, we, thanks to the revelation of the Holy Spirit, studying these places of Scripture in Hebrew, present a more elaborate version, and here it is. I am submerged by baptism into the death of my Lord, in which I have died for my nation, for my house, and for my corrupt desires. But my inner person, in the resurrection of my Lord, is vigilant in prayer. Here's the calling cry of my beloved, that by the knock upon my door, proclaims the ability to use his right to power to to reveal his strength in the works of righteousness. Now open to me my sister, overfilled with my peace, one that does not have evil in her heart, my beloved friend and one that is loved by me, incomparable with any, my dove, my pure one, and without blemish or wickedness. Because the authority that rep represents me sent by me to you is overfilled with words of life in the power of my spirit, and the people that follow after them died for sin so that they may live for righteousness and perform righteousness. I have taken off the robe of the corrupt man with his deeds, collaborating my cross with the cross of Christ, and do not desire to be dressed in him anymore, because I have allowed my feet to be washed, admitting my sins before the sons of my mother. I also wash their feet, forgiving their sins and do not desire to defile my feet again by sinning against the sons of my mother. My beloved, as evidence of his love, has stretched out his hand to me by the offering which I presented, testifying of my respect towards God 
and called me to liberty from the dependence of my corrupt man with his deeds and has given me the strength to restrain my mouth and place a guard over my mouth. And my insides began to worry when he began to act. And I arose from ruins of death by the power of his resurrection. And I cast off of myself the burden of the old law so that the beloved would be able to carve upon the tablets of my heart the words of the New Testament that would be able to clothe me into his righteousness so that my mouth would be able to be filled with fragrant praise and the words of my mouth like myrrh would produce incense from the four horns of the golden altar of incense. In this place of scripture presented in the format of a dialogue we pay our attention to five moments and these are the most beautiful women of women confessing her state as a whole. The response of the beloved to the state of the most beautiful of women the first reaction of the most beautiful of women to the voice of the beloved, the behavior of the beloved to the response of the most beautiful of women, and the second reaction of the most beautiful of women to the behavior of the beloved. In the previous services, we had already studied two moments and have been studying the third moment. In the third moment, in the words of the elaborated version, we see the response of the most beautiful of women to the revelation of God that she received through the latch of the door in the image of the dew and the drops. And we together have now understood that the latch of the door through which the beloved stretched his hand is presenting yourself as yourself to God as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable for his good service and to offer yourself as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God for the most beautiful of women it was necessary to take off of herself the robe of the old man with his deeds we note that in Hebrew the phrase I've taken off the robe means to tear off my skin from it or tear off the skin of an animal while it is still alive therefore the phrase I've taken off the robe means I've allowed my skin to be removed from myself so that in my sufferings I lose my former life any animal that was offered it first was uh, killed then the skin was removed then they washed the insides and legs with water and then they laid it upon the altar but we see here a unique offering where they tear off the skin while it's still alive wash the insides and legs with water and living they laid upon the altar and so in this manner before a person is dressed into humbleness which will allow him to receive the ability to admit the sins his sins before the sons of his mother as well as forgive the sins of the sons of his mother since that they committed against you it will be necessary to take off the robe of the sinful or corrupt man and to do this it will be necessary for you when carrying your cross to collaborate with the cross of Christ to collaborate because the truth about the blood of Christ purifies us from sin and in this way dresses us into the justification of Christ at the same time the truth about the cross of Christ separates us from the producer or factory of sin this is our old or corrupt man that we need to tear off of ourselves as the skin in a particular format we have already looked at the essence of the cross of Christ and the essence of our cross and the difference between the, our cross and the cross of Christ as well as based upon what principles is our cross called and able to collaborate with the cross of Christ and stop to study the next question by what signs are we able to determine that our cross collaborates with the cross of Christ and not its counterfeit and such signs are to be fruits of righteousness or the fruits of resurrection and the fruits of the tree of life that bear fruit 12 times giving its fruit each month we note that the image of the cross of Christ is presented in the 12 stones 
that were placed at the bottom of the Jordan, identifying victory over death, as well as the 12 stones that were taken from the bottom of the Jordan, identifying victory over sin in the flesh. The image of our cross carrying our cross, we die for our nation, for our house, and for our corrupt desires, presented in the are presented in the 12 stones from which the altar of the Lord was constructed. The twelve stones of the altar reveal the good goals and good motives of our heart and the readiness and strive to know the will of God, the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. The living sacrifice that is presented upon this altar is the means that is used to reach these good goals. The first living sacrifice that presented himself upon this altar, the altar in this case being the cross, is, Christ, is Christ himself that had opened for us with his living sacrifice the path to the inheritance contained in his precious blood. In the New Jerusalem, as well as in the Eden of our heart, which is the place of our communication with God, the image of the living sacrifice upon the altar of twelve stones are the twelve pearly gates which reveal our abiding with Christ in his trials. These twelve pearly gates signify our abiding with Christ in his trials, and this is the key to entering the kingdom of heaven. But you are those who have continued with me in my trials, and I bestow upon you a kingdom just as my Father bestowed upon me, that you may eat and drink at, the, at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Luke 22:28-30. And so to be able to enter the kingdom of heaven, you need, you need to abide with Christ in his trials. And this is presented in the twelve pearly gates because a pearl is the result of the suffering of a mollusk. As we know, when some kind of foreign item ends up inside the mollusk, it suffers and can't push it out. So what it does is, <clears throat> in its sufferings, it begins to wrap or coat this uh, foreign an item into a, the, a pearl. And so we need to do the same thing. We can't immediately get rid of our old self and we uh, suffer the corrupt self and we uh, suffer with this being born again inside. We, It's difficult for us through this mortal body to do things and we in the suffering begin to coat it into this resurrection of Christ, this pearl. What we study on Friday, if you know, to take off of yourself the old man with his, with his corrupt deeds and be dressed into the new man created by God, that is, be dressed into the fruits of our spirit, that is the resurrection of Christ, that pearl. And this will be the en entry into the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, inheritance of eternal life, which is the Eden of our heart in the image of the tree of life that bears fruit 12 times, giving its fruit each month and the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nation. We in a particular format have studied the names of the 12, 12 patriarchs written upon the pearly gates. These names identify the requirements based upon which we are called to collaborate with the cross of Christ when carrying our cross how to suffer, how to abide within his trials. And this is also the key for entering the kingdom of heaven presented in our heart in the tree of life. Therefore, the twelve pearly gates in the unity of, is the unity of twelve virtues that the living sacrifice has, presenting itself as a living sacrifice. The twelve names of the patriarchs upon the twelve pearly gates is the unity of twelve principles placed into the foundation of carrying our cross 
with the cross of Christ. The sign of collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ is called to become the results of resurrection that are identified in the inheritance of the blood of Christ. That is in the image of this tree of life that yields its fruit 12 times bearing its fruit each month. In a particular format, the word new, or defining the word new, pointed to the image of the future that needed to be opened up in the New Testament, where a person received justification by the gift of grace, independent from the law of Moses that produces wrath. And that's not all. Identifying the word new points to the resurrection of life that are revealed in the fruits of the tree of life that we are to be dressed into. In a particular format, we together have already studied the fruits of the Spirit presented in the image of the fruits of the tree of life that the tree yield was able to yield in the first two months of the holy year and I've been studying the signs and feasts included and noted in scripture and so every month had specific feasts or celebrations that happened and the example or the, what these uh, <coughs> we've been studying the feasts and what they symbolize and what they mean and what we need to do to become these pearly gates and have the key to entering the kingdom of heaven. And so we've been studying the signs and feasts included and noted in scripture in the third new month of the holy year, and this is the month Sivan. This is the ninth month of the holy year. It was about the mid middle of May or June. And the first of all, the fruits of the tree of life of the third month, Sivan, consisted of, this, of these things, that in the sixth day of the third month, the Feast of the Pentecost, Feast of the Sevens, was celebrated. And that at the same time, this feast was called the Feast of the Harvest. We note that in our situation, celebrating the Feast of the Pentecost is accepting the Holy Spirit into your heart as the Lord and Master of your life, which allows us to bind ourselves to the Holy Spirit upon the conditions outlined in Scripture, to be led by the Holy Spirit. For as much as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, Romans 8.14. A person not taught how to receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord of your life will never be able to bind himself to the Holy Spirit, and understandably, understandably will not be able to be led by the Holy Spirit. In result, this person will lose their sonhood, that is their salvation. <clears throat> We've talked about this more than once, that you can speak in tongues and still live by the flesh and be resistant to all that comes from the Spirit of God. Speaking in tongues is a spiritual experience, but it does not make us spiritual and does not change our sinful character that has been inherited by the conduct of our parents. In order to remove the old self with his corrupt deeds, we need not speaking in tongues, we need the cross, the teaching of the cross of Christ. And so the cross is given for the purpose of separating us from our nation, from our house, and from our life in the flesh, that is our corrupt man and the producer of sin. Linked with this, we came to the necessity to study a series of already familiar to us questions. Who is the Holy Spirit in his subsistence, and what role is he called to perform within our relationship with God? What conditions are to be fulfilled to accept or receive the Holy Spirit as not as a honorable guest, as many do, but in the quality or form of a Lord or our Lord, as God's chosen remainder received them? What, by what signs are we able to judge that we, being baptized by the Holy Spirit, receive him not just as a guest, 
as many do, as we know now, but as our Lord, as few do. And by what signs are we able to judge that we are led by the Spirit of God and not our own Spirit, behind which stand the Spirit of deception? Or if worse, than the unclean Spirit also that presents himself as the Holy Spirit. Today, the, uh, for the most part, so-called Protestants, they are led by a deceiving spirit. Look at their service or the format of their service. You see, as their pastor jumps on the stage as a monkey and running around the stage, <clears throat> you see there's something wrong. And how he mixes the things of God and the things of man and how they pervert the truth and how they interpret them, pulling out only the things that are impressive or... Uh, pleasing to them and don't pay attention to the other places that talk about who God is and that he is not the God that they're preaching. In scripture, the Jesus is very different than the ones they're preaching. In a particular format, we have already looked at the first question, who the Holy Spirit is in his essence and what role he fulfills in our relationship with God. The main difference between the human spirit and the spirit of God is that the Holy Spirit is God. At the same time, our spirit is the creation of God or his workmanship. The main principle of the collaboration of our spirit with the spirit of God is clearly reflected in the first strokes of the book of Genesis. Genesis 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. This principle we see is, while we continue to confess the faith of our heart, the Holy Spirit will hover over the faith of our heart, ready to immediately fulfill what is confessed, that the confessions will be the faith of our heart. If the Holy Spirit was, would not have activated God, that he confess his thoughts, his covered thoughts, because he entered, penetrated the depths of God's thoughts, and these waters were the thoughts of God, the, the depths and mystery, and the Holy Spirit was trembling and activated the Heavenly Father, desiring God will never be able, will never proclaim what He desires if we don't penetrate His thoughts and we, if we will not uh, strongly desire to know what He's thinking. Just as the faith of our heart that we talked about when we hear the word of God and we are conceived by this word and it is grown inside. These principles of God, these promises of God are grown. They're still there. They're still not uh, outwardly or seen. The Holy Spirit will hover over these waters, these thoughts, and waiting for them to be confessed. And so when we begin to confess the faith of our heart, then our words will be equal in their significance or their effect as God's are. The revelation about the Holy Spirit and receiving Him as Lord is given to those holy people who study and follow the commandments of Christ within the order that is present in the body of Christ by the means of the instructions in faith pretty much one who possesses the status of a student. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. John 14, 15, 16. So pretty much to prove that you love him, you fulfill his commandments, and the Father will then, Jesus then asks the Father to give them a helper. Millions today who speak in tongues do not have 
comfort. They continually strive to have something. They're always deceived. At the time of their service, they're offered some kind of false hope and they ca catch on to it, but it actually doesn't work and doesn't help. Why do they not have comfort if they speak in tongues and receive the Holy Spirit? Because they received him as Laban did and Bethuel. He gave them gifts, Eleazar gave them gifts and presents, and they received him as a guest, uh, and they offered him even a bed to sleep, they, they gave him food, but he came only for one night, and not for the purpose of giving them gifts. He gave gifts to them only because amongst them Rebecca was there, the chosen by God remainder, that's a symbol of God's remainder, to take and separate the, them and take them to the groom. And he told them the purpose of his visit, and they said, we don't know if she'll want to go with you, let's call and ask her. And when they asked her, she said, yes, I will go. And they, they said, be with us a little while longer, but he said, don't keep me, I need to immediately go. And to the morning, he woke up early in the morning, and they let Rebecca go, they blessed her, he sat her upon the camels that he brought, and she went to her groom. This is why the Holy Spirit came into this dark night when amongst so-called Christian people there was an unusual darkness and perversion and all kinds of uh, heresies that are called the Holy, they call the Holy Spirit and the teaching of God. Jesus came when the fullness of time was there and when the Holy Spirit also came to take his own. Receiving the Holy Spirit as your Lord who will battle in prayer by your side happens when you receive baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I know that when people read receiving power, they interpret it differently. Some think power is speaking in tongues, the others say power is when we're healing, when we're rebuking demons, and so forth and so forth. But baptism of the Holy Spirit is the ability to speak or to utter in tongues the mysteries of God, or the ability to restrain or discipline yourself and to lead your ship of faith to eternal life. Speaking in tongues is the result of baptism of the Holy Spirit. The calling and purpose of the speaking in tongues as a whole is to give us the ability to make real our belonging to God or God's family by the path of separating from your nation, from your house and your life. If a person will is not separated from his nation, from his house and from his life, he will never be able to be a part of the new Jerusalem. He will be a part of a specific church, a specific gathering, some, some kind of maybe specific teaching, but not the bride of the Lamb that can be in any denomination, in that small remainder, that small flock that listens, as Jesus said, and sometimes, just like uh, that pastor runs around like a monkey on the stage, but takes only those things that are written in Scripture and not live as this 
man. You say you're offending the one who serves. I'm not offending anyone. A, a servant of God will behave as Christ. He will not be behaving uh, the, the, this way or offering the word of God in such a manner. Find a, a, a place of scripture for me in any part where the delegate people of God would be running around the stage like this and offering God's uh, the weight of God's truth uh, in such a manner. The word of God is as a, a, a royal word. It is um, how can it can it really be presented in such a way that people coming for uh, for who knows what reason they behave they, uh, uh, some wrap themselves up completely others completely open themselves up and each one wants to show their own Christ and so the purpose of, of speaking in tongues fulfills, the, uh, fulfills its purpose when we practice them as a, as a tool in accordance to the norms written in Scripture. With all of this, we note that specifically during the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we receive a unique and, and destiny-affecting ability to either receive the Holy Spirit in the form of the Lord of our life to then receive from Him and in Him strength to perform a complete and total separation from our nation, from our house, and from our corrupt desires, that is complete sanctification. To then in the Holy Spirit and through the Holy Spirit bear to God the fruits of righteousness, that is, lead a, God, a godly life that carries the power of the resurrection of Christ, or receive the Holy Spirit in the form of a dear guest and continue to remain in the dependence of your nation, your house, dependence of your corrupt desires. Those, if those speaking in tongues in Ukraine, those brothers and sisters speaking in tongues, if, would they have separate, if they had separated from their nation, would they be supporting the Benderevs and others, what they did? Uh, would they be speaking of the so-called pastor that they placed that this is our pastor. Do they not know that they are citizens of heaven and that they no longer belong to Benderevs, not Ukraine, not Russia, not Japan, not America? They are citizens of heaven. But here, it was re revealed that they received the Holy Spirit not as their Lord, but as a honored guest and continue to remain independence of their nation. And when their nation had rebelled, and God said, in the last days, nation shall shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Nationality, well, they will battle with each other, they'll fight, and there will be lots of division and rebellion. This, And he'll say, this is not the end, but this is uh, coming close to my coming, is, is kind of what he was saying. And so when they remain independence of their nation, their house, and their corrupt desires. They then replace the fruits of the Spirit with the works of the flesh, having the look of godliness, but not having in, your, in themselves the power of resurrection. We note that those who think and teach that baptism of the Holy Spirit can be earned with good deeds, prayers, and fasts are people who do not obey the truth and are seen in Scripture as foolish. Therefore, baptism of the Holy Spirit will not benefit them. And so, as in Galatians, Apostle Paul says, did you receive the Holy Spirit by, the, by your works or freely? 
The importance of the tongue in general, and especially speaking in tongues, is explained in Scripture in a specific way. Proverbs 18.21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruits. Matthew 12.36.37 Jesus says, But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Idle words, this is when people confess what is written in Scripture, but that what is not in their heart. This is the idle word. This is not the confessions of the, of the faith of their heart. This is confessing what is just written in the Bible. And because people do this, they will answer for these things, that they began to confess what was not belonging to them. By right, it belongs to, to those who have it in their heart, and it comes from the heart. They taught us to say, it is written, it is written, and we should proclaim these things, but these need to be written upon the tablets of our heart first. I will make a covenant and write it upon their hearts. If God did not, if a person did not allow God to write it upon your heart, then you can't fulfill that command. The thing is, looking in Scripture, any contact and any communication with the Holy Spirit is possible and can happen exclusively by our born spirit that in nature is in the likeness of God. And the order of such collaboration will be possible upon the condition that between our born spirit and our renewed mind, there will be a growing conscious collaboration. Our mind needs to be renewed renewed, but people's minds are not renewed. Uh, a renewed mind gives itself as a slave or servant to the new person and speaks only those that come from the faith of the heart. But people of the flesh, they speak of what they understand with their intellect. Their head is their apostle and their episcopal and their God. I understand this way. This is how I see. I have my Bible. I have my head, as they say. Therefore, if our mind, if our mind will not be renewed with the spirit, of our mind, which is the mind of Christ within our spirit, we will not be able to understand our born-again spirit, and in result we will not be able to be led by the Holy Spirit. And further, we will not be able to worship God in our spirit and live and have with Him a lawful relationship, and we will not be able to have a membership to the people armies of Israel. The word Israel is a worshiper of God. Now the second question, what conditions are to be are required to be fulfilled to receive the Holy Spirit in the form of our Lord? Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What does it talk about when it's talking about power? What is this power? It will make us able to be witnesses. To be witnesses for Christ is to be a candle in the house and a city that stands upon a high mountain. This means to present his strength and his power which he received from the Heavenly Father. Jesus received from the Heavenly Father. The character and nature of the power of the Holy Spirit when he descended cannot be understood and accepted by understanding specific requirements which are in his statutes 
about celebrating the Feast of the Pentecost. The thing is, in the New Testament, the phrase, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit will come upon you, is the only taken by Christ phrase in regards to the relationship God had with his nation in the period of the Old Testament. Because nowhere in the New Testament will you see that the Holy Spirit will descend upon you. He descended only once in the day of the Pentecost. He didn't need to now descend uh, individually on each person. Each person, the Holy Spirit already descended and he's in the body of Christ, you need to receive him. The difference between collaborating with the power of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and the New Testament is that in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came down only upon the prophets, priests, judges, kings, and Nazarites, and gave them power only at specific times and only for specific work. And when this work was completed, the supernatural power left them. But after the dissension of the Holy Spirit in the day of the Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out into the heart of man as his place of eternal abiding or living and fulfilling his work through these individuals in a specific time and for specific works, he continued to be not just with them, but in them. In the period of the New Testament, the Holy Spirit no longer descends, but was is poured out, and not only upon kings, priests, prophets, judges, and Nazarites, but upon all flesh that receives the Holy Spirit by the instructions and in faith. In the New Testament, the phrase, and the Holy Spirit descended upon them, was replaced with the phrase that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's the Old Testament, Judges 14.6, and there are a lot of places like this. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the line apart as one would have torn apart a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand, but he did not tell his father or his mother about what he had done. It was about Samson. He could not tear apart a lion at any time. He could not have uh, broken those uh, ropes that were bound around him at any time. He did this only when the Holy Spirit descended upon him and the Holy Spirit gave him strength for these reasons and then left again and in the situation when the Holy Spirit came down is the meaning of this is to make a person strong to make successful to dress into power to do what is useful for God in the New Testament Acts 4.31 and there are a lot of places like this as well and when they had prayed the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke with the words of God with boldness so when a person is filled with the Holy Spirit, then he speaks the word of God with boldness. He doesn't know. He no longer has to show uh, supernatural physical power. He doesn't need, doesn't need to uh, take the jaw of. Of, of the donkey or if you remember that he had to uh, break the uh, ropes that were bound around him they now just speak the truth of God with boldness and so the word to be filled means to fill with power to dare to finish or complete work fulfill the will of God in this way the power of the Holy Spirit that the disciples received at the time of the dissension of the Holy Spirit was given to them for the purpose so that they would be able to speak the words of God with boldness what is boldness? Is This is the lawful right based upon the power of the blood of the cross of Christ <clears throat> because of boldness, which is identified as two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we may have strong consolation. When we enter behind the veil, there are two things that are for us an anchor 
And then the waves of the of, of life cannot move us. These are two immutable things which is impossible for God to lie in. This is the blood that is brought behind the veil and the breads. These two things, the teaching about the uh, cross and the teaching about the blood. And so, boldness is the faith of the heart, the revealing of and confession of the words of faith. And all of the miracles and all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are accomplished through boldness that is expressed in words of faith. Further, studying the requirements of receiving the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of your life, to receive His power that is revealed in boldness, confessing the words of faith, we came to the conclusion that looking at the conditions of celebrating the Feast of the Pentecost that is contained in the book of Leviticus 23, 15 through 21, we need to fulfill seven requirements presented in the celebration of the Feast of the Pentecost. And these are, first of all, the two wave loaves need <coughs> that need to be prepared from two-tenth of an ephah of fine flour. Together with two new wave loaves, it is necessary to offer seven lambs of the first year. Together with the two new wave loaves, it is necessary to offer one young bull and two rams. Then it is necessary to bring a grain offering and a drink offering. Fifth, it is necessary to sacrifice one kid of the goats from the goat herd and an and as an offering for sin and two male lambs of the first year as a peace offering. Six, the priest needed to bring all these things and wave them before the Lord together with wave, the wave breads and the two lambs. And seventh, the offering is to be brought at the time of the holy convocation and at this time no customary work was to be done. We note that celebrating any feast in the body of Christ is directly linked to offering yourself as a living sacrifice holy, acceptable to God for His service. And as much as we know the living sacrifice that is a, that very latch of the door through which God received the ability to stretch out to us his hand as a sign of his favor towards us by which we receive power and ability to bear new fruit to God that is in accordance to the nature of each new month that is included in the 12 months of the holy year in a particular format, to receive the Holy Spirit as Lord and Master of your life, we have already studied the first four components and will immediately turn to the fifth component. And this is the requirement to sacrifice one kid of the goats from the goat herd as an offering for sin and two male lambs of the first year as a peace offering. <clears throat> the symbol of the goat whom the flock of goats generally follow you know that the goat <clears throat> in the flock this is an animal that is a leader there's a shepherd but there's always a goat after which the flocks usually walk and between the shepherd and the goat there's a trust they are as good friends I'm speaking physically where those uh, shepherds that tend their sheep they know that the flocks are well behaved when there's a goat present that, that leads and when the goat <clears throat> follows after the shepherd and all the sheep follow after the goat that walks and they see the shepherd and know the voice of the shepherd but they will follow after the goat <clears throat> only a wise uh, sheep will uh, will follow after the, the shepherd if the goat decides to stray away or this is rare but sometimes it does happen in nature 
There were situations, I read about them, when one goat just decided to lead a flock to a, uh, uh, to a, into a different direction, and he jumped off a cliff, and they all jumped off a cliff as well. As there's a small amount of sheep that remained uh, that did not follow this goat, but followed the shepherd. The shepherd was walking uh, amongst stones and the goat just decide, decided to jump off and a large uh, number of the sheep jumped with him. And so the symbol of the goat, whom the flock of goats generally follow, include, including the one-year-old lambs and one who stands as head over the other goats, is a symbol of the discipline of our renewed mind that is obedient to the new person in us. This testifies of the condition or state of a good heart and identifies our royal quality. Proverbs 30, 29 through 31. There are three kings which are majestic in pace, yes, four which are sta sta stately in walk. A lion which is mighty among beasts and does not turn away from any. A greyhound, a male goat also, and a king whose troops are with him. We know that the goats, sheep, these are a symbol of our, our mind. And when our mind is renewed, then ahead of this mind stands this goat that follows after the shepherd, uh, pretty much leads them after the new person. Living sacrifice presented in the fruits of our spirit is the situation in the symbol of the goat as a, as a sacrifice for sin testifies of the fact that we use our royal, our right for royal authority to die for sin, that is for our nation, for our house, and for our life. Therefore, the image of the goat presented in the fruits of our spirit a living sacrifice for sin is testimony that all of our sins and all of our lawless works are blotted out before God's face. Psalm 45, 10, 11 Listen, O daughter, consider and incline your ear. Forget your own people also and your father's house. So the king will greatly desire your beauty because he is your Lord. Worship him. In this given command that we see as a commandment confirmed in multiple laws of Moses, prophets, and psalms that was used by Christ in his his parables and the apostles as a direct command, we can conclude that the blotting out of our sins is linked to the fact that we prepare our heart to listen to the preached word about the kingdom of heaven with the intent to immediately and without deviation fulfill what we hear. Secondly, we began to look at the unseen virtues of God that are in the growing lily of the valleys. Third, we have inclined our ear to listen to the preached word about the kingdom of heaven. Fourth, we have forgotten our nation, our father's house, and in result we die for our corrupt desires. Luke 14, 26, 27. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brother and sister, yes, and his own life, also he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. <clears throat> In the given command presented in the format of a specific and strict order, we can see that firstly, receiving the Holy Spirit as Lord of our life is impossible without being dressed into the virtues of a student of Christ. In turn, so pretty much this is accepting over yourself the person that God has placed, by which God will instruct us in the faith from whom we will receive the word, the seed, that we will be conceived with and that will grow within us into fruit of resurrection. In turn, being dressed into the virtues of a student of Christ is impossible without denying your nation, your house, and your life. 
being controlled by your intellect that serves as serves our corrupt desires and presents them as the will of God. We need to perfectly understand that the person of the flesh or corrupt man is led by feelings and the mind serves these feelings. <clears throat> he understands that something's wrong sometimes. But he can't confront this desire. He has to fulfill the desire and sometimes make conclusions. Oh, this is not sin. This is not sin. Because the feelings are so uh, so binded to alcohol or smoking or some kind of other perversion. And they have to justify these things somehow. And then he says God loves everyone. Gays and lesbians, he loves everyone because you need to justify this uh, this fire, this desire that they have. If they will not justify it, their conscience continues to judge them, and so they place into their conscience a perverted commandment. Our conscience judges us based on what we've placed in there. If we've placed in there that lesbianism is not sin, that we need to be tolerant, that God loves everyone, although God does not love everyone. God loves only his own. God's love is selective. Again, I repeat, when the archangel came to Joseph, the husband of Mary, in a dream, he said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for what is in her is from the Holy Spirit. You will bear a son and you will give him the name Jesus, for he will save the people, his own people, from their sins. If you pay attention, only his own people. Apostle Paul in Ephesians wrote, Jesus had committed himself for his church, washing her with clean waters by his word so that she may be holy and pure in love again about his own in John 3.16 it also is written the incorrect interpretation by many even here we see God so loved the whole world that he had given his life his only begotten son that all who believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life if only one who believes is saved then how did he love the whole world because the fact that God loved will not perish. He said, those things that I love, they will not perish. I love what I will not release from my hands. How is it the same John in the books writes, children, do not love the world what is or what's in the world. For everything that's in the world is the lust of the eyes, is corruption and is of the world. Do not love the world or what is in the world. How is it that he can say here in one place God has loved the world and another says don't love the world? It, it needed to be written God so loved his own in the world. For God so loved his own in the world that he gave his only begotten son that anyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life or everlasting life. And so God's love is a love that's selective. God loves only those who love him and he hates those who hate him who are against his truth, resistant of his truth. God does not listen to the prayers of sinners but listens to the one that uh, confesses in his sins but one who attempts to find some kind of commandments to justify his sin and creates these commandments and perverts the truth, God does not love those, he hates those, and they are already condemned to death. 
Further, denying your nation, your house, and your life is impossible without the collaboration of our cross with the cross of Christ. Fourth, the collaboration of our heart with the cross of Christ is impossible without being instructed in the faith by that person that God has placed over us. We're talking here about the goat as offering for sin and our renewed mind. You die, if you don't die for your intellect so that it not be our God, and we stop saying, well, I don't understand things this way. If you pay attention, how do you see this? How do you understand this? There's a difference when a person says, it is written, and when he says, I understand it this way. I, this is my opinion. This is no longer an opinion. Uh, it is written, and so this is contradictory to what you're thinking. And so he, the person says, well, I don't understand it this way. That's why I have my Bible, they say. The fact that you called God's book your own book, you're not the author of this book. How can you say it's your Bible? My Bible says, they say, and all these hooligan charismatics say, my Bible, and he shakes it around. I'm sorry, this is not your Bible. This is God's word. Be and treat it with honor and respect. Those who attempt to understand the scriptures with their intellect because you place your mind equal to mine, you think with your mind you will understand my thoughts. You will die the death as the uncircumcised. Although you're circumcised and speak in tongues, you have made a covenant with me, but you are not comprehending the truth with your heart and not within my order by the person that I've sent, but by yourself, and you will then receive together with the uncircumcised that also had decided to do the same thing. Who are the unclean people who are attempting to take the place of the pastor, often? Those people that are trying to take the place of God. In the church, it's the people that are trying to, to, to uh, take the place of the pastor. It's not those who fall into sin, into alcoholism or other, other things. These people have the ability to repent, but the unclean know because the unclean is one that does not do these sins, but is intent, intending to uh, accuse and to uh, ruin the, uh, the, or trying to affect the reputation of the pastor in a negative manner. It is not so easy to hold on uh, when these things happen. God had allowed today that these unclean goats be, uh, uh, jumped off the cliff so that the church uh, be cleansed, and only those who remain that will follow after the, uh, the shepherd only. If the shepherd says, if the pastor says, or shepherd says something different than the goat, don't follow after that goat. That is how God will cleanse the church, and he already has started. That's why we see the multitude of divisions, and these happen generally either the leader of, of the youth or, or a uh, just a regular member will not perform division or be able to. He can affect, uh, he can harm himself, but not others. But these, these are goats. But when this goat dies, then our mind is renewed and this renewed mind then well works well with the newborn spirit and now it no longer is the master it is a servant <clears throat> and the collaboration begins to happen of our spirit with our renewed mind 
The next image of the living sacrifice, that is the fruit of our spirit, giving us the ability to receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord of our life, is the requirement together with the goat as an offering for sin to offer two male lambs of the first year as a peace offering. Offering the two one-year-old lambs as a living sacrifice is testimony of the fact that God, by the means of the death of Jesus Christ, formed peace between us and the nation of Israel. And so the lamb, a one-year-old lamb, this is the whole year where God gives redemption and delivers the one and the other, the Jews and the Gentiles, and offering as a sacrifice these two lambs for a peace offering to receive the Holy Spirit as our Lord talks about the fact that we need to fulfill the requirements uh, and look at Israel with a different eyes, look at Israel as the root upon which we grow as the juice that we are nourished by. <clears throat> and so offering of these two-year-old lambs, again, is that what God... And so Jesus had formed himself one new man, building peace, and in one body has reconciled both with God by the means of the cross, putting enmity to death upon it. Therefore, we need to always remember that receiving the Holy Spirit as Lord of our life is impossible without the unison in Jesus Christ, one nation with the nation of Israel. It's necessary to love this nation, to fall in love with this nation, because without it, we will not reach anything, and they will not reach anything without us. Ephesians 2, 11 through 16. Therefore remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances as to create in himself one new man from the two thus making peace the two uh, male uh, lambs and that you might reconcile bo them both to God in one body through the cross thereby putting to death the enmity when the people understand this they have the ability to receive the Holy Spirit as their Lord in the given statement we can see that not being grafted to the root system of Israel that is the teaching of Judaism being that is the instructions in faith the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh, we will never be able to receive the Holy Spirit in the form of the Lord of our life. And further, we without the Holy Spirit as Lord of our life, we'll never be able to worship the Father in spirit and in truth, because the teaching of Judaism is the ancient teaching of being born again, that was implemented by God immediately after the sin of the first man that God had clothed into animal skins. Whoever believes that Jesus is Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him, who begot also loves him, who is begotten of him. If Adam would not have believed in redemption and would not have been born from God, God would not have put these skins, uh, these clothing of animal skins upon him. By this we know that we love the, chil we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandment. <clears throat> for this is the love of God that we keep his commandment and his commandments are not burdensome 
He who he and he is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he who comes by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by the water and blood, and this is the Spirit who bears witness because of the Spirit of truth. Communicating at the well of Jacob with the Samaritan women, Jesus once more confirmed that salvation comes from the true Jews and by, and by the true Jews, that is, those who, people who are born from God, therefore are the nation of God. John 4, 22-24, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews, but the, but the hour is coming and now is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. That very thought is confirmed in Apo by Apostle Paul as well, that truth, that birth from God, is in the teaching of Judaism, the, fo the followers of, of which today are called in Hebrew as Mashiites, and in, Greek, in the Greek la language as well, Mashiites, and, and is translated as Christian or or the word Christian. Romans 2, 28 through 29, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit, nor not in the letter whose praise is not from men, but from God. We also see this very thought in the revelation of the, by the revelation of the Holy Spirit through the revelation of Apostle John, received on the, on the island Patmos. And so these different words, Meshiats, Messiah and Messians, also they're different words uh, that, that, that people are named by. These people are named by also with the definition of Christians. And some say, we go to a Messianic church. Well, I say, what were you before this time? So if you're, you call it in a different language, the same name of the church, you, you call yourself Mashahites. But, but they say, yeah, we're used to speaking, uh, uh, calling each other by these names because the Bible is written in the Greek language and the Mashahites, or those who are in the teaching of Judaism, were called Mashahites or Mashahites uh, in the Greek language. <clears throat> Let's read uh, Revelation 3. 9 through 12. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. And so these Jews, these are not as a nationality, but those who follow the teaching. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. Revelation 3, 9 through 12. <clears throat> on this place of scripture, I will finish today. This is the word because our time is up. The time has come for pray, prayer, and we will uh, pray and everyone who desires to confront the fear, uh, sicknesses, dependences that are in them. Remember that God has desired to give his kingdom to the small flock. Remember that again and again we live in that time. 
When Jesus needs to rapture his bride, we are living in the period of this time, and many of us will become witnesses of the rapture of the bride. Many will become a part and be raptured, and others will be not looking at the fact that they're here, they'll remain, because they did not pay the appropriate price and did not receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord of their life. They are still for them as a visitor, and they sing, as in those churches that we came out, they sing, and I sang this also, the Holy Spirit, you're a visitor of heaven, or a guest of heaven, and the in every service, the, the pastor would invite the, the Holy Spirit as a guest, and I never understood why they would leave and then tell the Holy Spirit, so what do you, what do you now do with the guests that you invited? Sometimes I would ask these uh, religious uh, leaders, brother you prayed and the Holy Spirit come and now the church finished and you uh, let people go in peace but the Holy Spirit did you forget him you invited him he's here how is he going to be here by himself without you because you said yes in the house of prayer but nobody's there the true house of prayer is as us our hearts how did you invite him in the house of prayer and leave him in that very house of prayer after you leave why do you not explain it differently? And so I stopped praying that, that way that they did. I just asked, Lord, reveal your power upon this place that you've chosen to worship your holy name. This is very important because these uh, kinds of uh, things, ideas that are put into our mind that the Holy Spirit is a guest, these kinds of people will not be able to receive him as a Lord. And that is why they will not be able to truly receive justification because only by the Holy Spirit can we understand the essence of justification that we receive freely. We will not need to, with good deeds and prayers, try to earn this justification. We are already righteous in Jesus Christ. He is righteous. He bore us righteous and holy. We need to be growing and perform his righteousness. Amen. Let us pray. We will bend our knees and all those who desire to confront the shame, the fear, the sicknesses inside themselves, sin, dependences. We wait for you upon this place and the Holy Spirit is ready to help you to be free from all forms of evil, dependence, to heal you and to deliver you to destroy all virus, all bacteria that are in your body because he is pregnant with what he wants to give you. He wants to do these things for you, but he can't do it without your agreement, without your approval that needs to happen upon his conditions. Right now I'm going to be praying together with you and I ask you to repeat after me. The Holy Spirit is on this place, is in this place to deliver you. This is his goal. He loves you. He's faithful to his word. Close your eyes. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to God, uh, to heaven, that you're ready to receive from God what he desires to give you. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you with my shame, with my weight, with my pain, with my dependence. I ask you, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, Heal my heart. Cover my shame. I open up my heart to receive you as the Lord and Master of my life. Be a King and Lord of my life. I want to be your servant. I want to be led by you. May your blessing be upon me, upon me and my children,
in accordance to your words. Amen. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with a shining face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they will not touch you. May the blessings of the hills and the valleys be upon you. May all the enemies be struck down before your face, and may they flee before you. May the healing power of God be upon you, upon you and your children, and be fulfilled upon you, and the nation shall say, Amen. And now, all of us together, let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.